0: Welcome to The Curious Sheep, the podcast for everything sheep. We'll ask questions, challenge ideas, learn from each other, and share the wonderful world of farming and all the fun that goes with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro at shepherding, just bought your first sheep, or live in the city and are curious about farming, I hope you can gain some knowledge for your own farm or a tidbit of farm info to share at your next dinner party. welcome to this week's episode of the curious shoe podcast this week we chat with charlie the shearer he's been shearing since i was a little baby (laughs) he's been coming to our farm for quite a few years now to do our shearing right and you always like helping yeah yeah so we ask him about what are we asking him about i don't know shearing shearing and wool and all of that fun stuff
1: How's it going good
0: charlie you are our shearer so i want to ask you a bit about shearing but you also have or you're involved in sheep farming as well right yep do you want to tell us a little a bit about your farm your family and what you guys do in the sheep industry
1: we got a small eel flock now we used to have um uh, quite a few sheep um we Changed gears a little bit a few years ago, we had um, some tough times with the predators. Um, we were pretty much a, a, like a, a grass farm when we started, so everything was on pasture um, and we graze um, poor stands of second cut hay or oats and peas or oat regrowth after we harvest the oats um we started growing um corn silage 2 years ago and so then we had enough feed to um do something with but uh we just didn't have the grass wasn't really an option for a little while because of the predators so we um Changed gears a little bit. I thought we were going to lose the farm. Actually, it was pretty, pretty bad. Um, we were losing, uh, I don't know, between 10 and 20 o's a day for a little while, and then we had to make tough choices to disperse the flock, um, which wasn't all bad. At the time, it seemed like it was the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of those,
0: but, uh, both are those tough times and it's so hard to like see the light but in the end right it's everything can happen for a reason
1: yeah
0: yeah and where's yeah. where's your farm um, near-
1: we're w- located up north of Wyerton, yeah
0: yeah and can you explain maybe a little bit why you had coyote issues because that's a fairly I don't know what kind of an area you would call it. You've got a lot of trees and, and bush around too, right? Kind of ideal coyote habitat.
1: Yeah. Like our, our land base um, before we started plowing, everything was pretty much um, either swamp, flat rock or hawthorns and apple trees. And, um, you know, that's a pretty good spot. You wanted to be a coyote that's where you'd want to be lots of uh shelter and food and um yeah so it was marginal ground which made it good for pasture but we had um and we still do but we had uh four guardian dogs actually we only had two at that time and um uh, actually, one died of old age right in the spring, which was a bad start to the season. And, um, and then wasn't until we got another dog. Um, a few months later, we found a mature dog. Um, but, yeah, I guess the hard part was that a mature dog maybe doesn't find its role right away and it takes some time. And uh, it um, it actually timed out just perfectly for a train wreck because our other mature dog was six years old, and um, he actually was so instinctive to protect the sheep we couldn't keep him at the house. Uh, he was eating a five gallon pail mixed with um, scrambled eggs and and beneficial beef, which I thought would put some pounds on him. But, um, if you tied him at the barn, he would, he would uh, pull half the barn down just to get back to the sheep. So we actually ended up losing him too. Um, so then we were sitting with one mature dog that doesn't know its role on the farm and all these yo's out on pasture. And, and then I think what happened that year was a drought year. So we actually had no hay. We couldn't even, keep them in the barn if we wanted to
0: that was not, was that, that hot summer yeah yeah and then i imagine right you don't have the dogs there with their established territory you've got coyote having pups and then they're starting to teach their pup all at yeah. that same time so it's a bit of a bad storm yeah. all mixed together
1: so <laughs> even even after we were able to disperse the yo's um we had, uh, we had the coyotes were eating the lambs right out of the barn.
0: Oh, so, so scary.
1: That, that was pretty tough. But um, I ended up meeting up with a farmer not too far from me who is retiring or getting out of them. And he had, a, a most unlikely a guardian dog, a bull mastiff and that he had raised with the sheep and thought it was a guardian dog. And um, so we brought her in. He says to me, "He's like, it's not the dog you're looking for, Charlie, but it's the one you need." <laughs> and uh, and so we brought her in and and uh, put a little doghouse to the back of the barn where we were having the lambs getting stolen from. And uh, the fourth night she was there, she had killed a coyote right by the edge of the barn. Thanks. So just just to put some emphasis on what uh, what was actually going on there. So, and then, um, so yeah, so actually we started feeding some lambs. We had all the, everything was set up for sheep. Um, We couldn't put anything to grass until we had um, more dogs established and the predators under control. Um, So we started feeding some lambs and, uh, because it was all mostly prepared feed, corn and pellets and a little wee bit of what I would call subject quality hay, first cut hay. <laughs> and um, yeah, so going forward, we expanded a little bit in that, and then we started building our yield flock again as well.
0: So, mm-hmm. so you're doing a bit of both again now, right? The use, the but yeah. then still feeding feeding market lamb.
1: Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, and- just the, the hardest part for me was the, we have the perfect farm for pasture if we can get the predators under control there's all these you know little areas of the farm that aren't worth grazing or aren't worth cutting or work in the field and we can just put some sheep out there for a few weeks of a year and save on uh you know bottom line basically
0: yeah absolutely the the ewes you have now are you lay lambing and anything out in pasture is it all barn lambing and then you put them out
1: No, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me is when we started lambing on pasture. It was not, I think that's what drew the coyotes closer to the barn. Um, and then, um, of course the chain of events that happened right after that didn't help either. So (laughs) just, just the way it went. But, um, yeah, no, we lamb, we lamb everything. We try to do, um, all of our lambing through the fall and winter. Um, but, you know, you always have a few stragglers, and, and uh, so you manage with what you have, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we won't turn those yos out until uh, we wean the lambs, for sure.
0: Yeah. Right. And you work a little bit with your brother as well, is that correct, with the beef cattle?
1: Yeah, so my dad and my brother, they have beef, like cow-calf, um, and so... We work together, uh, like we share crops. So I don't own a round baler or a wrapper or just mine, but they don't own any corn equipment. So that's when we kind of trade back on that. And I help them get their hay off. They help me get mine off. And um, calving time, we're always working together and and uh, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you guys probably purposely manage when calving versus lambing time is then... And- stuff like that,
1: just to help each other out too. Yeah, so they're calving right now. So that's kind of basically why we didn't want to have a bunch of yo's lambing. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that too, is just the marketing of the lambs. You know, if we're going to lamb these yo's out and, um, you know, do the best we can, we want to get those lambs into a higher dollar market because we can't really run accelerated the way we're set up now. So we want to get those lambs born in the wintertime
0: yeah you're only going to be hitting the lamb market for those that one time of year you can't spread your risk as much
1: yeah exactly
0: awesome and you've got some kids that help keep you busy too
1: oh yeah yeah we got our oldest daughter is um 13 going on 21 (laughs) and um she was ever since she's been a little kid, she's had a hort like a miniature pony. And and so she's helped me a lot with chores and and lambing and and keeping everything going while I'm gone, cheering or or, um, trying to get crops and whatnot. So yeah, she does a lot for us. And then I have two younger daughters, um, four and five and and uh, they're just starting to get into it now so pushing up feed and carrying grain pails around
0: it's all those little things that help right
1: (laughs) oh yeah like when when you got all the lambs in the jugs and you know it's if they take 15 minutes and water and put a flake of hay in each pen and make sure they get all the lambs up you know like that saves like it might only take them 15 minutes but like then i can focus on like the like keeping everything alive and fed
0: and Yeah. There's more important things that you can sometimes be doing if they can start helping out with yeah. little thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I wanna talk about shearing. You've been shearing our sheep for oh gosh, six, seven years. It's been a long time, I think.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: Your your side, your side gig. That's always the the farming conundrum, right? Like you, you try to do it full time and all this stuff, but so many of us have to work off the farm for how many years? And
1: um, well, I think farming's been the side gig for the <laughs> entire time I've been shearing. It seems like the shearing is what pays to run the farm. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. We're getting to a spot now where we're a little bit more comfortable and we're able to do... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a better job of both, I guess.
0: Yeah, and you've got help now, too.
1: Yeah, so Al- Alvin, I don't know if you've seen Romy's shearing videos. Alvin's been shearing for just over a year now, and um if he sticks with it, he's going to be better than I am.
0: He's, ca- he's catching up.
1: <laughs> he is. He's catching yeah. up, especially on the big sheep. I'm slowing down on the big ones. He's yeah. speeding up.
0: Yeah, no, that's been... <laughs> I think that's been a bonus for you because you can do much bigger groups at a flock like ours or then you guys can kind of split up your days where it maybe isn't a full day for, for both of you and maybe give you a break some days, right?
1: Yeah, like if we got, you know, around 200 to do or, you know, we can do up to 300 or three and change if we have to, if we got to drive a long way to get there. Uh, yeah, definitely know can't do those numbers by yourself unless you unless of course you got all the o's are bellied and dagged and they got the heads off before you get there but here in Ontario that doesn't happen so
0: no no. (laughs) and then you get like mine that take a little bit of extra effort sometimes that's right Yeah. yeah so how did you how did you get started into shearing
1: um so when I think I had Well, I had a bunch of cows and my dad said that I had enough cows for a rented farm. I was going to have to start paying some bills. And I kind of just said, you know what? I really, aren't. even though I'm not paying for anything, I don't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided my brother owned a portion of the sheep and my sister owned a portion of them. So we just kind of made a little barter and we all kind of swapped out so that i'd own all the sheep and then they could have the cattle and then kind of streamlined our equity i guess you could say instead of fighting over whose calf is whose and and uh who didn't do chores the most this year so they only get a portion of their check and stuff like that No, that just took all that right out of the way and then we could all work together and understand that that's how it's going to be so we had um we had, um, I think around 60 use at that time when that happened. And, um, we're kind of up in the bottleneck area, like there's shears around, but they were, you know, we were always the last one on the list. Cause we were the farthest away and, and, um, the least amount of sheep. So, and we couldn't really work it into a deal with another flock too. Cause there wasn't any at that time. Um, so. You know, uh, one time when I was a kid, I remember staying home from school to to help with the shearing, and then the shears never showed up. And then the second day, they, we got, finally got a hold of them at nighttime. and like, oh, we're not going to make it today. It's like, come back tomorrow. Okay. So I get another day off school, and then they didn't show up again. So then I called them back and said, forget it. And then I got up. My mom had bought me a set of shears before that. And I would do, you know, two or three at a time, until I couldn't stand it anymore. And then, uh, eventually, like after a few years and through 4-H and you know helping out a few little flocks around the area, um, started getting pretty, like you know, confident, more confident in what I was doing. Not better, just you know, wasn't afraid to go to someone else's farm and be confident enough that I wasn't going to cut a nipple off or. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. just that little bit of confidence. And then um, an, an old man come up to the farm one day, he wanted to buy a Southdown ram because we had a flock of purebred South Downs at the time. And uh, he said, who does your shearing? And I said, I do. He's like, do you want to do mine? I said, how many do you got? He said, I got 150. I was like, oh man, I don't know if I could do that. But he's like, I don't care if it takes three days. We'll just come and get them done. He's like, I'm like, okay, no problem. So I was there, and we got them done in two days. And he's like, my bro, my son has a flock of sheep. He's got 60. And I'm like, okay. He's like, can you get them done? I said, yeah, we'll get them done. And then two weeks later, he went through the sales barn in Katy and told everybody what a good job we'd done. And um, and so the, the rest is kind of history. We just, after that, I put an ad on Kijiji. And before I knew it, I was going to Windsor and Peterborough and London and and I am cheering for Romy and Sandy Brock.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so. Now we put you all over
0: the internet. <laughs> yeah. Which,
1: awesome. Um, which is good. Yeah. It's awesome.
0: So you're pretty much self-taught. Or how did you, did you watch some YouTube videos? Or how did you pick up how to do it? And I might add into this. I know I've had the odd comments. I know there's people on, like, Sandy's YouTube video that, they're like, what's he doing? He's doing it wrong. And like, because you do it a little bit differently. Do you want to explain how you do it and kind of how you learned how to do that?
1: Yeah. So I'm uh, like 90% self-taught. Um, so the the people who helped me, like who would cheer for me before, I asked a couple times if I could cheer one. And they actually shared similar to the way I do. Um, and so, um, that was kind of like the start of it all. Right. And then, um, once I started shearing a few sheep and I got to know John Farrell at the wool depot over at Wingham, he kind of gave me a few pointers and I watched him shear a few sheep at his place and he was using both hands too. And, uh, and he'd been doing it for, you know, since Christ was a cowboy. So um, I thought, well, I, I can't be too far off from what's going on and then as soon as you start watching how other people are doing it, and you're like, oh, I have been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm an old dog and I can't change.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and the job gets done, right? So it's not wrong, it's just different.
1: Yeah, well, like we can still put through the numbers as anybody else can, doing it the other way, and the fleece still comes off in one piece and and uh, i think the way that we're doing it instead like most shears are are, use a bowing method which is you use your dominant hand the whole way around the sheep so you don't change hands whereas i switch hands halfway through um so there you know you pick your dominant hand you take the bellies and and the dag off and then you'd start at the bottom and then work your way up and then go down the other side so like I was completely foreign. I'd been shearing for five, six, seven years before I even knew that there's another way to do it. <laughs> and, um, I never, so,
0: I never even noticed until someone pointed it out and I watched some other shearing videos.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess we still get them done. We don't, you know, we're not nicking them up too bad, but the biggest part of it is for me is, um, Like I'm balanced. I'm using the right side of my body just as much as the left. And talking to John over the years, he says, that's going to, you know, add more years to your career. Just having balanced muscle strength, like instead of having it all one-sided.
0: Right. That makes
1: sense. Yeah. And so a few times I'll get stubborn and think I'm going to change. And then the first thing I notice is, like I'm left-hand dominant, I'll do 20 yos in an hour or 25 yos in an hour, and then all of a sudden you're like, my arms really killing me right now. <laughs> I I'm just gonna go back and be in less pain. <laughs> It'll yeah. be better for me. So and then now that Alvin's been shearing, he's he was watching videos off the start. and He's thinking this doesn't make any sense. I, my whole right side of my body is gonna be tired and we're still going to have another 200 to do. So just forget about it. And I'm like, well, if it doesn't make sense for you, then don't do it. Just do it the way it makes sense. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, so yeah, it's, it, go ahead.
0: Um, so shearing 101, um, we shear sheep because their wool grows continually and it's something we need to clip off it's like getting a haircut um, it's making them more comfortable it makes them cleaner etc etc so for going to a farm and setting up for shearing what is some of the things that farmers should have ready on their farm when you come to shear some of their
1: sheep uh number one it would be dry sheep <laughs> Um, if they're wet, it's a miserable job and your wool's worth even less than nothing. Because um, it'll heat like a round bale, you know, if you don't wrap it or store it properly. it, it just, It's not a good situation for the shearer or the sheep or the market of the wool. Yeah, so um,
0: bring them, bring so them in tonight the, or the day before.
1: Yeah. And so I know we've talked to you, like you and Sandy, especially because you got your sheep fed so well. Is to have them off feed the night before. That's not always 100% uh, mandatory. Like if you got a bunch of rail, yo- like skinny or old yos, and they got nothing in their belly and they got no hide on their back, then it, you know they're probably better off to have a meal before. But if they're you know well conditioned, well fleshed yos, if they're off like if they're off feed the night before, their stomach is empty, and so when you sit them on their on their butts to shear um their stomach won't be pushing up against their lungs making it hard for them to breathe um which is it's just um one of those things that you know it's hard to get your head wrapped around not feeding your sheep you know you want to do a good job you want to feed them but at at the end of the day when you're going to be handling them like we are when we're shearing and Tipping them on their backs and stretching them out. If they got a belly full of whatever—corn silage or halage or TMR—they're gonna, they're gonna be in a bit of discomfort. So that's the yeah. other thing. Yeah. And then um, I guess the last thing is a, uh, we like to shear on a sheet of plywood just to keep the the wool out of the straw and manure. And also for our clippers, when we set our clippers down between sheep, if we set them down on the pavement or cement or whatever, um, we can break the combs or even the handpiece just out of you know bad luck. But if we shear it on a piece of plywood, that doesn't happen. So that's
0: yeah. 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 And oh, I just wanted to mention like the the keeping them off feed. So we've been yeah. pushing almost 36 hours without feed, like two days before we almost feed them half and nothing the day of. And usually ours are mostly, they're in good condition. Um, They're a bigger frame sheep also to begin with, but ours are very much pregnant. We are usually shearing a month before lambing. So, um, which works nice if we time vaccination with that, but they have a lot of stuff going on in that tummy and it makes a huge difference. I mean, you're really only handling them for what? two maybe three minutes it's not a very long time um, but especially for ours because they are pregnant it makes it even a little bit more stressful so yes they got a little bit hangry and they're and they're hungry and cranky um, but it it makes a big difference and it makes it easy on you because they're not fighting you if that if all their their stomach and their babies if that's all pushing up on their lungs they start to fight you
1: yeah yeah so yeah, that's a that's a big thing like like uh, with the well fed sheep, like if you got a two hundred pound yo kicking around and she's got, you know, ten pounds of feed in her in your belly, that's just an extra ten pounds per every Yeah. That you gotta wrestle, right? So and then two, if she's got her stomach's right full and she's loaded with energy, you know, that's that much more energy that she's gonna want. Say, Hey, I can't breathe. I'm gonna kick you in the head.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. But that's not that's not really what they're just you know if um if everything's done in accordance to you know animal welfare ahead of time then that you know that just doesn't happen so
0: yeah yeah and you usually bring along the little stand for the wool bag and you also have uh, panels that you bring along um that in the shoot. we have all of our own like we just run them up the chute and then they you have a little trip bar and the wing gate that you flip them out of quick. Is there um, some other types of equipment or facilities that's nice to have set up um, when you go shearing at a farm?
1: Yeah, so when we're, you know, what we're lining up to shear 200 sheep, um, you know, or a full day, not necessarily 200, whatever the number is, you know, um, it's nice to use the chute uh, just because we're not chasing the sheep around a pen trying to catch it. Uh, so yeah, I have a chute I bring I can bring along, uh, but it's not that's it's not necessarily a necessity. Like all day yesterday and the day before, the sheep that we sheared they didn't have shoots, but they're all smaller flocks. Like basically, took longer to get there. Mm-hmm than it did to get the shearing done so um, you know and too like it's you know like you can't put a two thousand dollar handling facility on somebody that's only got 50 o's and they're only going to use it once right, yeah. this shearing, right like i get it yeah. it makes it easier but it's not a necessity we can just put them in the tight pen and and catch them and, and be done just as quick maybe a little bit more labor but not it's not the end of the world like but you know, like on, uh, actually on Friday, me and Alvin cheered 250 and they didn't have a shoot, but, you know, everything else was right. You know, they were all dry, they're off feed, they're in good condition. So, you know, that's just the way it was. But that particular producer has expanded immensely the last couple of years. So, you know, and he's young, young group of guys that are working together too. So it's kind of like, you know, for one day a yeah. year and I'm not going to tell them to go And they
0: probably have extra extra hands there right usually so got- if someone's there to at least take the fleeces away that's the big yeah. one or if someone helps you catch them that helps speed things up too a little bit right yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly. uh, so we're not out to wreck everybody's day we're just you know exactly. trying to make work with everybody and i
0: know i've been asked before sort of if there's an ideal time when uh, if there's an ideal time during a sheep production cycle, when to shear them, you don't want to shear them too close to lambing. I mean, we've done like two weeks pre-lambing and that's pushing it. I don't think I'd want to do any closer to lambing, um, but usually sort of that month before lambing or what type of flock are you working with? When, when are they shearing?
1: Um, yeah, so I guess a month, or 45 days before lambing is, I think, ideal for the sheep and the producer. Because when you're getting lambs to suck, they don't have to fight around the wool. And um, and then also, once they lamb, if they have lamb sucking and you're trying to shear them, uh, as soon as they give birth or start milking they quit growing wool and it's just like the first thing you abandon when you're stressed or in stressful. Well, like me right now, I'm starting to go bald and gray, right? Well, it's just like a sheep. They're going to quit growing their wool. It's the kid. On the kid. And, uh, so, and yeah, and so yeah, no, it's not their fault. It's my own for being a farmer, I think, <laughs> but um, no, like they're going to quit growing their wool. And so then at that point when you try to shear them, their wool's really tough to, to cut. And so, um, you know, like we shared a bunch yesterday that had lambs on them. Wasn't because, um, the producer, like we, we just said we're going to do them cause we're right here. And, um, and the producer asked why we were doing such a poor job. I said, well, it's cause they have lambs on them and, uh, you know, it's really hard to get them. And he's, I'm like, but the difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut is about two weeks. <laughs> so they're going to look fine in as soon as they wean those lambs and start yeah, growing Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, like you just said, at lambing or a stressful time, that can make it harder to shear sheep. Um Maybe it's more of a wool quality thing, but you know, like things like burrs or what other issues as far as wool quality or shearing do you see? Are things that producers could improve to both help with shearing and wool quality?
1: Well, a big one that is affecting the market a little bit not so much on a grade scale, but on on a processing scale is the straw so a lot of people would think like you know what we're going to bed the pens up really good so these sheep are nice and dry and um and you know and your sheep shearers you think oh man these sheep are dry but what happens is now all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of straw getting in the wool and so there's no to my knowledge there is no process of like equipment process to get that straw out of the fleece. I'm fairly confident that they have to hand pick all the straw out of the wool. And so, you know, a labor sensitive product as it is like to add a little bit of chaff into a fleece and stuff at the bag, that's going to, that's going to cost a lot of money to get that clean. So that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, the burrs, yeah, it's it's an issue. I wouldn't say a huge percentage of sheep are loaded with burrs, but there are, you know, certain flocks where you you could expect to get some burrs, and and it's again too like we're not working off, you know, a billion dollar business where you know it's a pet farm industry and has been for a million years, so you know, when you're going to that certain flock that there's going to be birds in the wool, and the producer knows that his fleece isn't going to be worth anything, but they're not going to invest, you know, 500 grand into a barn to house their 50 sheep, right. Or the feeding system or whatever. So, and you just got to kind of work with that. That's just the way it is for those producers. And, and, um, and that's, I'm, I'm, Okay with shearing them, I don't okay. mind. Um, just the wool quality goes down, and you just kind of got to get what you get for your wool. yeah. the
0: the Canadian wool industry as a whole, like, there's not a lot of value in it. Uh, but like us, like, we're doing the yarn, or if, if there's a producer keeping those specific places or something, once there's that straw or hay, furs, there's if there's stuff in it, the more stuff that's in the fleece to begin with, the more of that stuff's gonna end up in the yarn because only so much can be picked out. And you're right, like it physically by hand, it has to go get picked out once it starts going through the, the yarn mill and through the carter and all of that. Um, there's only so much of it that comes out. So the better quality of a yeah. fleece that you start with at the process, the better quality you'll get at the end if you're doing something like yarn or something value added for your wool. And I would also say, you know, even if it is just, you know, a commercial flock and you're selling it through the wool growers or whatever, the people selling our Canadian wool clip, um, they also look at that quality. And then if they're trying to sell all this wool that they had extra straw or hay in it, it makes it really hard for them to, you know, to kind of sell it to their buyers too because it has all this extra dirt in it so buyers don't want to purchase that and you know if they're still going to purchase it you're going to get a much lower price so if we can at the beginning keep our places cleaner um, down the line hopefully um, you would see an increased price which I mean with the Canadian wool industry and how everything is right now I mean it's, it's worth nothing unfortunately but I'm hoping one day producers can actually see some money from it.
1: Yeah, i th- I think it's just um, just the way it is right now. Um, I don't see it increasing for a while. Um, that's not just the Canadian wool; it's the it's the uh, commodity itself. Yeah, exactly. it's just, there's a lot of it in Canada, and it's not. Mm-hmm.
0: It, so. um, yeah. Oh, something else maybe to mention to the producers is sort of the number one thing: um, keep bellies, tags, separate. Um, so at least you have the best part of fleece yeah. together. Do you have many producers that skirt their fleeces? Mm-hmm. Or maybe explain what skirting is.
1: I think. Yeah, I think you're the only one, Romy, that skirts it.
0: Crazy little lady. Um,
1: we, yeah. yeah. Um, but we're just, yeah, the belly should be kept separate. The dags, we'll try and keep them as best separate as possible. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a big thing because when they open that bag and it's got all the bellies and dags in there, well, we just added to the cost production of production of that bag of wool again because that kind of wool is getting processed a different way and um, goes down a different line. So it's, it's um, one of those things that, you know, as, as farmers, it's more of an ethical thing. You know, you complain about the wool, wool price and then mix the bellies and the dags in with the good wool, then, well... You know, that's the root of the problem. Yeah, you have, to, you have to
0: improve it somewhere, and on the farm is probably step number one. Yeah. yeah. Good. Any other shearing tips for farmers, or maybe you have a fun story about shearing, something interesting?
1: <laughs> oh, there's way too many to, <laughs> to, to, to hone in on. Um. No, I, I, I don't think I can make a comment about that <laughs> right now. I guess <laughs> like I gotta cater to the audience.
0: <laughs> um, so I probably shouldn't ask you who your favorite shearing customer is, then, should I?
1: <laughs> it's definitely the guys that give us beer at lunchtime. <laughs>
0: Or have my mom come and cook you
1: lunch, right? <laughs> well, no, we. Um, I'm probably better off without any because I got to make it yeah. home now.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite kind of sheep to shear? Like a specific? Is there a specific uh, breed and how their wool shears that you really like?
1: Yeah, like. I like... I'm a Suffolk man myself. I like Suffolk Cross or Suffolk. Not... um, Like, normally they shear good. um, But they don't have any wool on their heads or legs. (laughs) Which, you know, saves a bit of time. And normally they're kind of dopey or docile, so they're not really... But, like, a lot of... That's just kind of flock specific. It's not a breed thing. They're just... Some Suffolks are crazier than the North countries, but I think that that's that's a, a big thing that I look at. Like, I like shearing Suffolk sheep or like Dorsets have, have I think, far better, um, like more open fleece, easier to get through. But um, there again, they got the wool on the heads and the legs and, and they seem to have a bit more fight in them. <laughs>
0: they know they're coming.
1: So I guess... <laughs> I, I, I'm a Savic man, I guess. That's my yeah. favorite sheep this
0: year. Uh, um, so, talking of dorsets and Suffolks, they've got a down style of fleece that's very fluffy. What about some of the yeah. more wool-specific fleece? How are those mm-hmm. this year? Do you want to describe some of that?
1: Yeah. um So, like, um, last year fleece is probably the best, like, the – I would say my favorite, but there isn't any. I I can only think of one guy who has Lester's that I shear for in a year. And I think he's only got 12. So, um, but yeah, that Lester's are nice to shear. Um, once you get into the, like the Ramblays or Corydales or Colombians, like those kind of wool breeds. They tend to have a bit more length and stretch in them, uh, like on their on their body. So they have a bit more wrinkles than they're normally a, a larger frame sheep. So um, you know, kind of harder to to keep in really good condition. Mm-hmm.
0: So and the, a a is comparable to like a merino that's our canadian merino is the Rambouillet. so they've got the a lower micron count for the the wool fibers then they've got all the a bit more wrinkly skin so you're probably having to stretch that a little bit more
1: yeah 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 so you got to be real careful on those necks because they got a neck like a like a brown swiss cow (laughs) just full of wrinkles yeah but um, there, um, I'd say aside from that, like that's a good sheep to shear if you can if you can get a well maintained Rambouillet. Uh, but yeah, I'm not picky. I I don't discri- discriminate. <laughs> they're all good. Like we got bills yeah, to pay absolutely. every day, so it's nice to. Have some yeah, work. no, I
0: just wanted I I just wanted to ask that a bit just because there there is such a difference in the wool style on some sheep and. You probably noticed that the most with all the different different sheep
1: that you shear. Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely notice a difference. Going back to what I said before, yeah, I'm not I go and shear anybody's sheep if yeah. they ask. Yeah. So. I've had Cameron
0: helping me podcast here. Do you have a question for Charlie Cameron? Yeah. Nothing. He just thinks it's exciting to podcast he thought he was missing out on something do you have is it fun when charlie comes to shear you like helping right yeah and what's your job when he comes to shear mm, gathering the fleeces. yeah you help gather the fleeces right and chase the sheep so that they're all ready for him to grab and shear mm-hmm. yeah all right well charlie i don't have any other questions do you have anything else to tell either producers
1: or consumers about shearing and wool
0: uh nope okay, I don't. you're
1: all done uh, all right thanks for thanks thanks for a me, lot buddy.
0: well thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the curious sheep thanks for listening to our chat with charlie the year and thanks for helping me with the recording buddy hmm. was it fun yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it uh I hope you learned everything there is to know about shearing. Here at our farm, it's always a big day and a busy day, but it's an important job to get done to make sure that the sheep are clean and comfortable so that fleece can weigh a lot of pounds in the end when it gets pretty long. Stay tuned to our Instagram page. Charlie's going to be at the farm shearing in a couple of weeks, so you'll be able to see how he does it with two hands. I'm also going to post a link here to a shearing video on youtube that he was a part of and follow charlie over on twitter i'll put all that in the show notes catch you next time thanks for tuning in and make sure you head on over to instagram to follow us at circle our lamb where i'll be posting links to the episodes as well as the show notes and any related tip sheets and materials. Feel free to ask any questions or give us suggestions for future episodes. Thanks and happy farming!